Hello, and welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. The Bible can be intimidating, right? How do we make sense of it all? And what does it mean for our lives? I think the Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Let me tell you a bit about myself. In my career, I've been a Mission Start pastor, a lead pastor, a national ministry coach, and for the last decade, I've had the privilege of serving on the Time of Grace team. Today's episode is entitled, Light and Darkness. You know, during World War II, the British government imposed blackout conditions all across England. The goal of this was to minimize outdoor light at night. And this was accomplished by residents covering all windows with curtains, cardboard, paint, whatever. Shop owners were required to have two doors to enter their place of business, so that the outside door would be closed before the inside door would open, so that no light would escape. In addition, special covers were constructed over automobile headlights. (laughs) Unfortunately, this caused a huge increase in car crashes. Hmm, I wonder why. These blackout conditions were imposed to prevent the crews of enemy bomber aircraft from being able to identify their targets at night. The German uh, Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, started a blitzkrieg. That's a word that means lightning war. The blitzkrieg of London began on September 7, 1940. And for the first 57 consecutive nights, 300 German bombers bombed London. And this bombing continued until May of the following year. It was critical for Londoners not to break the darkness in an age when enemy pilots relied on light to show them their targets at night. Light is the only thing that can break the darkness. Maybe I should say that again. Light is the only thing that can break the darkness. It's been that way since the creation of the world. And that's where we want to start today with our discussion of light and darkness. The word light occurs 206 times in the Bible, if you're using the NIV translation, 130 times in the Old Testament and 76 in the New. And that doesn't count the 45 times the word lightning occurs in the Bible. The word darkness shows up a few less times, uh, about 148 times with 107 in the Old Testament and 45 in the New. And understand that light and darkness, as they're used in the Bible, does not always mean the same thing. There is both a physical aspect of light and darkness and a spiritual one. The first time the words light and darkness occur are in the opening chapter of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So in the beginning, God. That's how the Bible starts. There was a beginning to our universe and before that beginning, God was the only one in existence. When God decided to do so, he created the basic building blocks of the universe, such as matter, you know, molecules, atoms, also space, time. The word translated created is an interesting Hebrew word. It's used in the Bible only to describe God's activity, and it always refers to something special and unique. God created the universe because he could and because he wanted to. The earth that God created is described in these verses as being formless, in other words, without a shape. It is also described as being empty, no living things, no plants, trees, or creatures. The third descriptor is darkness, no light whatsoever. And the fourth descriptor is that a mass of fluid covered everything. Can you picture that? Something that is without shape, with a fluid covering it, and you can't see it because it exists in total darkness. Hey, I'm struggling to picture that. How about you? These were the building blocks that God created first. And then there was one more important thing that God created on the first day of creation. God said, let there be light. And there was light. It was the very first thing God commanded into existence. On day one of God's creating activity, he creates light. But isn't it interesting that it wasn't until day four that God created the light sources, namely the sun and other stars in the universe? In the Old Testament Hebrew language, there is a distinction made between the elements of light, namely energy in the form of waves or particles, and the sources of light, namely the sun and other stars. We make a similar distinction when we talk about the light from the sun. Did you know that it takes 8 minutes and 20 seconds for sunlight to reach the earth from the sun? Our sun, the source, and the light it produces are distinct. They're separate, different. Or to put it even more simply, we make a distinction between the light produced by a living room lamp and the lamp itself. So I've got a couple of questions for you to ponder. Why do you think God created light before he created the sun, moon, and stars? Now, God doesn't tell us, but could it have been so that we look to God for the source of every blessing rather than to the things he created? Sure, the the, the sun provides light and warmth for our lives, but it's not the real source of blessing. God is. Here's another question. Why did God create light on day one before he created life on days three, five, and six. Just to recall, on day three, God created the land masses, which in turn produced vegetation, plants, trees, grasses, so on. On day five, he created the creatures that live in the water and those that fly around the sky. And on day six, God created land animals and, of course, the first man and woman. So back to the question, why did God create light on day one before he created life? I actually think that's pretty easy to answer. In God's creation, there is a connection between light and life. Without light, life cannot exist. Plants can't exist without light, nor can animals or humans. 
Light is a prerequisite for life. Back to Genesis 1. God created light and declared it to be good. Everything God created was good. And the word translated as good has an emphasis of being pleasant or desirable or agreeable. I have to admit that when I grew up, thinking the word good referred to God's creating activity as being perfect. Now, now don't get me wrong. Everything God created was perfect. It's just that the word translated as good doesn't have that shade of meaning. However, when we get to the end of God's creating activity on day six, Moses, the author of Genesis, wrote that what God created was very good. The added word very does convey the idea of excellence and perfection, and that was true of all of God's creation. The next thing that God did on day one of creation was that he separated the light from the darkness. I don't know about you, but I'm having trouble picturing what it was like before they were separated. Hmm. Anyway, he called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was a period of darkness followed by a period of daylight to complete a normal day. Now, that's a different way of talking about the two parts of each 24-hour day, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we tend to talk about day and night. The ancients talked about night and day. And that was also true at the time of Jesus. For the Jews, each day began at 6 o'clock in the evening. Night was the first part of the day, and the daylight finished the day. And did you notice in these verses that Moses used the word day in two different ways? Uh, just like I did. One way is to refer to the daylight hours, and the other is to refer to the period of time involving the darkness hours plus the daylight hours. Context always determines the meaning. I mentioned earlier that although God created light on day one, he didn't create the light sources until day four. So listen to what God created on day four and pay attention to the purpose he gives to the sun, the moon, and the stars. So starting with verse uh, 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate light from darkness. Uh, maybe first the comment on the phrase to mark sacred times and days and years. The word translated as sacred times in the NIV would be better translated as appointed times or seasons. You know, the seasons of the calendar year. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. Personally, I don't like winter, but I live in Wisconsin. The other three are really great, though. God established three purposes for the sun, moon, and stars. One, to give light to the earth. Two, the sun to govern the day and the moon and the stars to govern the night. And three, to separate light from darkness. So what we have in Genesis 1 is an explanation of the physical aspects of light and darkness. Now, before we move on to the spiritual aspects, I don't want to forget the truth that physical darkness cannot exist 
where there is light. Light always disperses the darkness. And also let's keep in mind that life cannot exist without light. We're going to see the same is true for spiritual light and darkness. So let's talk about spiritual light and darkness. And let's start with who the light is before we get to what the light is. The Apostle John, in his biographical sketch of Jesus' life and ministry, which we call a gospel account, explains who the light is as well as the light's connection to life. Light and life are themes throughout John's gospel account of Jesus' life and ministry. John's gospel begins, In the beginning... Notice how John starts his gospel with the exact phrase that, Gen that Genesis begins with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the, the word Word refers to the Son of God who was born into this world as Jesus. John continues, He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, two chapters later, John records a conversation between Jesus and a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. In the course of their conversation, Jesus shares with Nicodemus probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I think that's the very first verse in the Bible that I ever memorized. Maybe you did too. Then, just a couple of verses later, Jesus says, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds may, will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So here Jesus established that he is the light, and the people who live by God's truth come into that light. People who embrace evil live in darkness and hate the light. Jesus established a definite contrast and, and in reality, a conflict between light and darkness. Light equals Jesus and his truth. Darkness equals evil and its resulting evil deeds. Tell me, are you living in the light or are you living in the darkness? Now, just in case anyone didn't grasp what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, he made it crystal clear a few chapters later, chapter eight, when he says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then in chapter 12, John records Jesus' theme of light and darkness once more. Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus is the light who provides our escape from the darkness. Now, the Apostle John isn't the only Bible writer that contrasts light and darkness. 
We find this theme occurring in both the Old and New Testament, but especially in the New. In these sections of Scripture, we see not only who the light is, but what the light means for our lives. I want to share a number of verses with you that link the light and darkness theme with God's glory. Listen for some common themes. Remember the ten plagues that God inflicted upon the Egyptians because Pharaoh refused to let God's people leave Egypt? The second to last plague, and the second to, uh, second worst one, uh, was darkness. Exodus 10 says, Total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. God separated light and darkness. And so his glory was on display. Or think of when the Israelites left Egypt after the 10th plague. God displayed his glory with two pillars up in the sky. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by, a, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Another display of God's glory in the pillar of light and fire. So let's go to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, wrote, the God of this age, and he's talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus himself also connected light with God's glory. Jesus told his followers, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when we let our light shine, people see the glory of God. These are examples of uh, the light and darkness theme linked with God's glory. Now, there are other verses that speak of light and darkness in terms of people and their relationship with God. For example, and, and all of these are from the letters written by the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 26, we read that Paul was on trial before King Agrippa, and before the king, he recounted his conversion experience on the road to Damascus when Jesus told him, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from, listen, darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And so you see linked up here, darkness and the power of Satan and then light and God. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul addressed the light and darkness theme three different times. First, he said, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. In the next chapter, For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And then in the last chapter, he reminds the Ephesians Christians, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This last verse reminds us that darkness exists all around us. 
It is where Satan and evil exist. It also reminds us that in a spiritual sense, light and darkness are in conflict with each other. Or in his letter to the Colossians, Paul wrote about God's rescue plan for us. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I, I, I really love how he put it in his letter to the Thessalonians. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the, to the night or to the darkness. So we can go ahead and shout out, I am a child of the light. Go ahead, do it for yourself. The Apostle Peter said the exact same thing as Paul. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Because of Jesus, God has called us out of the darkness of sin and unbelief into the glorious light where we experience God's grace and his forgiveness. The theme of light and darkness is a thread running through the Bible, and there are many more examples that we don't have time to take a look at right now. But I would like to close with one more thread that goes from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. As you may know, the majority of Revelation is a record of the visions that the Apostle John was privileged to witness. In chapter 21, John sees the uh, New Jerusalem. He describes it in great detail. And toward the end of this description, Paul wrote, or not Paul, but John wrote this. He said, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. You're probably way ahead of me on this one. Just think, on day one of God's creating activity, he called light into existence. To do what? To dispel the darkness. Three days later, he created the sun, moon, and stars. In the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no need for the sun, moon, and stars. Because the glory of God will be the source of light. The only source of light that will be needed. And you know what else? There will be no darkness, only the light, and we will live in that light for all eternity. Light and darkness, it's one of the grand ands of the Bible. It's a thread that weaves its way through the Bible, starting with creation and ending with eternity in heaven. One last thing, I want to tell you about a book I recently wrote. It's called Prophecies and Fulfillment, God is Still in Control. In it, I take a look at prophecies in the Old Testament that speak to Jesus' birth and ministry as the light of the world. If you would like to get a copy, go to timeofgrace.org and click on Store. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for another episode from our Bible Threads series entitled, The Grand Ands of the Bible. God bless.